0: Welcome to the Be Disciples Podcast. This is episode number 28, as Dakota Smith and Kyle Morris will be talking about the reason for discipleship.
1: Amen. What's going on, everybody? Hey, Uh, how's it going? This is season two.
0: Season two, episode 28. Yeah, it's just great to, I don't know, get into another season, which it's kind of ironic because we are in a new season Yeah. Um, as pastors at the same church. Um, our families serving in in the capacity that they are, and uh, it, it really is a new season. I mean, for me, it's a, a new routine, a, a whole new thing going on. So, that's season two makes sense.
1: Yeah, one thing that I love seeing just with you guys living here is your wife seems to really, really love living in Kansas, and our wives are connecting together at Bible studies. Kids are playing together. Uh, you know, there's. Young families come to the church, our church is growing, we're being successful. We belong to a wonderful church family, and it's just a an awesome season of ministry. I mean, I haven't experienced a year like it.
0: yeah, I just I'm really enjoying um yeah, seeing my wife grow, uh, build relationships, um be in you know multiple Bible studies, you know, really kind of take on that role like never before. Um, you know, she kinda married into somebody being a pastor. Yep. I was already a pastor when we got <laughs> married. So yeah, she, she kinda learning the whole thing, but um coming here, learning, growing, building relationships, um, you know, definitely in a smaller town, uh people live nearby, yep. having dinner with people, getting to know them, living life with them. Um, you know, even for me, you know, working um, for a family that uh, goes to this church yep. and, and just in multiple capacities. And it's really allowed us to get to know people quickly. Yeah. And that's really helped, especially moving to a brand new place is getting to know people. So you don't feel necessarily alone right. or isolated. And I haven't felt that way at all. I felt, um, you know, in a way more busy, Yeah, but good busy, like productive busy, Yeah, fulfilling yep. busy. So, um, sometimes it's, it is hard, you know, got a little one at home, Conrad and, and want to spend time with him uh, all the time. Um, but yeah, it's just been, it's been a journey. It's been fun. It's been tiring, all of those things, but really came here to to disciple. Yeah. Um, came here to uh, get to know people and really just help people know the Lord even more. Yeah. And really the reason why we do this podcast. Yeah. we it's the Be Disciple podcast because we want to be disciples and we want to make disciples. Yep. And that's, that's the calling from the Lord. Yeah. Uh, for every Christian, yeah. as we've said many times, it's not just as a pastor or, you know, or an elder or a deacon or some leader in the church. Mm-hmm. It really is every Christian's responsibility yeah. to follow the Lord in that way.
1: It's one of the greatest things I'm going to have to show on the day where I present my life before the Lord.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know,
1: what did you do with the life I gave you once you became a Christian? And everyone is given a different capacity and, you know, a different shoulder width to uh, to carry different responsibilities and a different calling, all those things. But at the end of the day, Jesus is going to ask, you know, were you faithful with what I gave you? And that's what matters most. Uh, one thing that you mentioned a minute ago about moving here and your work becoming more productive, I feel the exact same way. Uh, living in the city, as we both were in Phoenix, at times it you start to lose purpose because you feel like you're just running, 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 running to make ends meet. And from a church and ministry perspective, you can almost start losing your audience. But in a small town like this, the audience, the people you're trying to reach, it's already determined for you. you know you're you're not looking at a particular neighborhood or a particular group of people. The goal is just the town you live in, you know, and we're we're reaching all different age ranges, you know, from young to old, uh, people are joining Ottawa Bible. And I think it comes down to the fact that, you know, when you attract people with the word of God, they stay because the word of God is fulfilling.
0: Yeah. Amen. And and I don't think there's necessarily anything I don't, negative towards doing ministry in a, in a big city or metropolitan area. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there is something about about going from that to a small town and being able to kind of wrap your mind around ministry, mm-hmm. spend more time in what that looks like, and you never know where the Lord leads you back someday to a bigger town or whatever that may be. But this opportunity to be here, to live here, to be in community in a smaller town, I think there's just a opportunity for growth in so many different ways. Yeah, uh, and just coming from that, you you get that perspective. Um, maybe some people from a small town would be like, "Why would you want to live in the in Kansas? Why would you want to live in a small town why what's so special about being here? Well, the special part for one is God called amen us here that's the special part yep uh that no in no way did Dakota and Kyle plan on coming to Ottawa Kansas <laughs> <No>. right <laughs> uh, when we were in Bible college it wasn't this no sir grand plan to move to Kansas. Uh, I never even thought I would live here ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the the special part, but the spent the, and then adding on to that is God brought us here for a reason. Yeah. And that reason is to serve him, yeah, and to live out the great commission. Yeah. And to share the gospel and disciple people, right? Teach them to grow in their in the walk with their Lord. Now, can that be done anywhere? Yes. Absolutely. But God brought us here now. Yeah. And so that's what we need to focus on yep. is the here and the now. We're, God already has the plan for the future. Right. He already knows what's going to happen five, 10, 20 years from now. Yeah. So I'm just going to let him make that work right. and I'm just going to continue to serve in whatever capacity that may be. Right. Um, I I say, I think some people may think that's extreme. Yeah. Because that means giving up a lot of stuff mm-hmm. and, Giving up on not giving up on, but distancing yourself from past relationships, mm-hmm. family, friends, um, maybe some comforts in life, things that you're used to.
1: That's really what you're trying to say. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's sacrifices involved,
0: right? There's sacrifices in in that, and and I think all Christians at some point are are going to feel that. Yeah. because there is sacrifices. You're supposed a... to live sent, right? We go away. Yeah. So, and it's not easy. No, <laughs> it's going to be hard. Are there going to be times where It is easy in the sense of God gives you peace and comfort and courage and all of those things. Yes, I believe that 100%. But we're also stretched in every situation day by day, uh, interacting with people. I mean, how many times do you go somewhere, interact with people and realize, I could have said something different. I could have have asked to pray for that person. I could have shared the gospel with that person. I could have spent more time Mm -hmm. being intentional with that individual. That's it and I didn't. So I need to pray that I do that next time. I need, to, I need to be more aware of each and every moment that I have. A good way to phrase it is, you know, do my relationships have
1: gospel purpose? I, I think if we're a Christian, every single relationship we have should have gospel purpose. And that, that's actually a challenge I want to give to our listeners right now is, can you identify relationships in your life that don't have gospel purpose? And I'm not necessarily saying that you have to be hands-on discipling every single person you know. No. But does every relationship you have, have gospel purpose to the extent that you're making Jesus famous? And He Jesus is on your mind as you're talking to them. You know, maybe your, your approach for certain people is different than others. Absolutely. But is Jesus your priority in the midst of every relationship? And that's yeah. That's kind of a good segue to where we're going tonight.
0: Yeah, certainly. And and I don't know if, if how many people have felt this before. I know I felt where in situations where I could be thinking about Jesus and, and there's this person in front of me and I'm talking to them and and sometimes I just feel stuck. Right. I'm not really sure what to say. Right. Not not that I'm trying to not that I'm socially awkward and I don't know how to talk to a person, but when it comes to scripture, when it comes to um truth in in the sense of Here's here's the Bible, and I want to communicate the Bible to you, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure how to translate that over into modern day language and have a conversation with you. Right, and, and I'm stuck there. Right, and I think studying that and learning how to do that is the direction we should go. Yeah, uh, as as a podcast, yeah, as our vision of being disciples and making disciples. So, I think we should really jump in. To the Book of Mark, as as Dakota has mentioned uh, to me earlier, and said, "Hey, Mark's a good place to start." Yep.
1: Well, one thing that we've been uh, talking about here for the podcast, we were in First Timothy, uh, but you know there was a lot of things that happened over the holidays. Uh, you you got COVID. I did get COVID. Yep, sure did. <laughs> and uh, you know there was a third wave that came through, and life just got crazy for a while. But it feels like like right now. Uh, as season two is beginning, there's something that the Lord has for us. And, And here's what we're working on at Ottawa Bible Church. Our vision is to live sent. Your vision is who you want to become, and we want to become a live sent culture where we literally train and equip people for how to have relationships and conversations and Bible studies with others who, A, they either don't know the Lord, B, they're new in the Lord and they need to grow, or C, they've been a Christian for a while, but nobody has tapped them for leadership potential. So discipleship kind of works in those three areas. Either you want to see them saved, you want to see them grow, or the final step, you want to see them become a leader that multiplies. And, and one way to do that is to take the book of Mark, to sit down, get to know them, have coffee with them, but open up the book of Mark and just read a little bit at a time and have conversations with them Uh, Alistair Begg is one of my favorite preachers. He says, you know, we're so worried about what to say uh, when it comes to evangelism, but at the end of the day, we just need to swing the club. Just as a golfer, if he swings too hard and puts all the effort on himself, he's going to miss the ball. But if you just swing the club naturally and let the club do the work, it will have its effect. And the same thing is true with the Word of God. Just sit down, and let the story of Jesus impact a person's heart. So we're actually going to have conversations in the book of Mark tonight, starting in chapter one. And we're going to do our best to, you know, have conversations in the scriptures, but also to challenge our listeners. Now, here's something you could say to someone that you were, sit, if you were to sit down with them and you're at this point in the passage, here's how you could disciple them with this topic.
0: Yeah, and, and I kind of want to give a, a quick illustration of 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 how we can get to a place to be in a, to be comfortable enough to talk about scripture with somebody. I I think of education because we go through our whole lives going elementary school, junior high, high school, uh, and you're learning lots of concepts, math, science, social studies, geography, whatever it may be. And you're learning lots of things and then you get to college and you've got some general classes. So you're kind of mastering the basics uh, to ensure when you get to the whatever you're going to major in you're using the mastery of those basics to complete your major to understand a specific area that you're that you're trying to learn to do a job, right? So you get a bachelor's degree. And that bachelor's degree is saying, "Hey, I took the time to master basic studies then to learn something that was specific so then I could go out and do it." Then you go to your master's program, right? And your master's program really takes that specific area that you probably got your bachelor's in. You dive deeper. And you dive deeper to the point where you not only can do it, but you can explain it at any moment. Right. You're you're so good at understanding that specific thing that you can talk about it all day long. I think and getting sleep. <laughs> yeah. I think it's kind of like that as we as we learn scripture, you know, you're gonna be introduced to it. You're gonna you may have gone into a church and listened to a sermon. Uh, you may have sat in a Bible study and you started to learn these ideas and 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 what is the Bible really saying, but have you really taken it to a place where you're where you're living it and doing it and speaking it all the time? It's just it's almost effortless in the sense of I have this knowledge mm-hmm. and I know what it means to go out and share the gospel. Right. And and we want to take you along that journey. We want to get right. you to that point yep. and, and prepare you through this podcast to be able to disciple others. Well, and practically speaking, uh,
1: this is what I imagine this new season of the podcast doing. Kyle, you and I are going to sit down. We're going to work through the book of Mark uh, for who knows how many episodes coming up. But what we want this to be is somewhat of a tool. You know, let's just say that you're someone, you're ready to get coffee with someone, hear their story and ask the big question. Would you want to just read the Bible with me a little bit every week? What you can do is listen to our podcast and listen to the scriptures that we were talking about ahead of time to prepare you so that you know what to say naturally in the midst of conversation as you're doing this Bible study with people i always like to say if you're going to start anywhere start with the gospel of mark it's the shortest gospel it was r- written to a roman culture who's busy and about accomplishments every single day they don't have all the time to hear about all the old testament prophecies about jesus they just want to know what did jesus do and that's what the Mark book of Mark is about. What did Jesus do? Who was he? Very simply.
0: So start there. Yeah. So that's where we're going to start. Here we go. We're going to start in Mark uh, chapter one and let's get going. Uh, do you want me to read the whole chapter or just uh, like one through eight here?
1: Well, yeah, let me just pray, and then we'll we'll pick it up and focus on 1 through 8 to start. Let's go. Father, thank you so much for this episode. We give it to you. We thank you for our church. We thank you for Ottawa Bible. Uh, may we together become a live-sent culture and see disciples made. That's all that matters. And uh, please receive glory in the process. God, I also just pray for anyone listening right now that they would go on the journey with us, uh, that, Lord, you would bless them. Whenever whenever they begin listening to this episode, I, I pray that their heart would be stirred. Who's the one person they can sit down and meet with and read the Bible with? Uh, Lord, help our conversation to be edifying uh, to them, and also use it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Mark 1, 1 through 8, here we go.
0: All right, so I'm going to read the ESV version, okay. just in
1: case anybody... Uh... Is using a different version? Sure. I have NASB, by the way, so we'll compete with translations. All
0: right. We'll see which one's better. <laughs> Just kidding. All right. So it says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John appeared. Baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and being baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist, ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I. The strap of those sandals I am not worthy to stoop down. And unite and untie, sorry, I have baptized you with water, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit hmm. now, those eight verses have a lot of doctrine, oh man, it tied right into it, so this is who's John the Baptist? What is
1: baptism? Who is this guy coming after John the Baptist that John's not even worthy to untie his sandals? I mean, there's a lot to unpack here,
0: yeah, there really is I mean verse 1 yeah right the beginning of the gospel or the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ the son of god imagine right. you're you're the you're opening this up you're reading it for the first time and it is titled the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ the son of god so you know that there's going to be some good news <laughs> right that's that's the purpose of this
1: gospel well here's what's really interesting and right now I'm teaching a gospels class at Ottawa University This is the only verse in the book where Mark inserts his own opinion. The rest of the book, he's busy telling you the story of Jesus, but here he gives one verse of his opinion, and he says this, the beginning of the gospel, it's the word euangelion, which means good news. The beginning of the good news of Yeshua uh, Christ, uh, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The opinion that he's making is, this is his gospel. He's the Messiah, and he's God's Son,
0: and he's, <laughs> he's a man, he's a man. He's historically, yes, a man, absolutely who, is, who lived? absolutely right. Something else to note too.
1: I mean, if you're reading the book of Matthew or the book of Luke, where's you know you get a genealogy, yep, you get Jesus' birth and the whole Christmas narrative, but here you don't even get that. So it's like John is concerned about one thing. He's concerned about getting you to the three-and-a-half-year ministry of Jesus. He's not worried about his genealogy or his birth narrative. He's just worried about getting you to the final three-and-a-half years of his life. It's been said that there's 16 chapters in Mark. Well, the final uh, five to six chapters of the book deal with the last week before his crucifixion. I mean, that's just, uh, he's getting
0: to the point, what did Jesus do and who is he? Yeah. So say I'm at coffee yep. with a Christian. Yep. And I and I'm not a Christian. Right. And we read this first verse. Yep. <laughs> and it says the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Yep. We just said a lot yep. about one sentence. Right. And and I'm like, okay, good news. Right. Um what's uh, okay, the good news? Why I've heard good I've news? heard of Jesus. I get it. There's a there's a church, people go there. Right. Um, they call him Lord and savior, uh, the son of God. Can you help break that down? Yeah. Like I, I that's con- one verse is confusing. Right. If I don't really know much about who yeah. Jesus is. Yeah. So, so I think the question is, how do you explain what the good news is? Yeah. Without getting, obviously we're going to get there. Right. But that, that would be my first question. Gospel, good news. What yeah. makes it good?
1: What, what I would say to just kick off this conversation with said person uh, is just to note that the Bible is declaring that there's good news about something and good news about someone. And the good news about that something and that someone is they are interconnected. So, as we start to read the book of Mark, what we have to understand is, first, the two titles that Jesus is given. What does it mean when it says Jesus Christ? The word Christ, Christos, is the anointed one, the Messiah. What we really just need to explain there is, Look the entire Old Testament prophesied the coming of Jesus. He would be the the one that God chooses to use to save the world and he'd be a person and Jesus gets that title. But not only do you have Jesus here in this first ver in this first verse coming across as a person, you also h- see him being declared as... The son of God. So in verse one, you you see Jesus is human and he's divine and he's got good news to bring. And that's what Mark is trying to bring to everybody
0: who reads his book. Right. So now I can pretty much go, okay, Jesus mm-hmm. was a man. Yep. But he was also God. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So we have Jesus came down as man. Right. Who already existed as right. the son of God. Right. So we have to know, okay. God didn't create Jesus. Right. right. He's eternal. He's eternal. He was already there. But he took on flesh. Correct. Yeah. And so that's where we start. We understand that that's who Jesus at least is mm-hmm. who how he exists. Yeah. Well, he's always existed. And and one thing and you know we're
1: we're really beating the drum on verse 1 here, but it's important to to start with you just have to discern who it is that you're sitting with uh whether they're an ultra skeptic or they're just showing interest. You know, again, remember, it's the Bible's job inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's better said that it's the Holy Spirit's job who has inspired His Word to do the work on a person's heart. Now, we don't believe that Jesus was half man and half God. We believe that He was 100% man, not 99%, but 100 and that He was 100% God, Uh, and that He came down here incarnate. Now, that theological uh, discussion could be, you know, had for a number of meetings all at once, but at least explain that point and let the Bible do the rest of the work. So then we get to verse two, right? Mm -hmm. And what I have found, Kyle, just in the last week, I've probably read this chapter with two to three individuals, uh, one on the baseball team uh, who I love dearly, uh, a a solid young man who just needs to grow in his faith. Uh, I'd say he's a new believer. But verses 2 through like 8, you know, you go from talking about Jesus to now who's this John the Baptist guy? And at that, verses 2 and 3 start with an Old Testament prophecy, and that can confuse people. So, you ha- you have to be prepared to get through these eight verses, because if you can talk about John the Baptist and then pass pass, you know, the ministry from John the Baptist to getting to Jesus, then you're solid from there. Well, and... I mean the
0: beginning of verse 2 says yep. as is written in Isaiah. Yeah. The, the prophet. prophet. Okay, well, if I'm not familiar, yeah, with the Old Testament and I'm I'm kind of new. I, it's kind of a big Isaiah's kind of a big deal. Yeah. Right? It's a pretty big book. <laughs> uh it has lots of stuff in it.
1: Hey, we did it in 7 weeks here, church. <laughs> uh, hey, you know, that was a quick overview. Yes. Uh
0: but I, but not that you want to you don't want to s- stay on that forever, right? Cuz then you if you don't really want to get into Isaiah yet, you want to get through Mark. Yeah, but there there is something to say about the title of the anointed one, the right. Messiah that was prophesied prior to him coming. Right. And and that's really the point to be made. Isaiah said that's that Jesus would come, but he not only said Jesus would come, he also said that behold I will send my messenger before yep. your face who will prepare the way for the Messiah for Jesus.
1: Yeah, the I mentioned this on Sunday and I have found that if you want an easy way to explain it when you're sitting down with somebody verses two and three, behold, I send my messenger ahead of you. Just use this illustration. If it, you know, when you're watching the movies and whatnot, there's the king and the king is sitting in his carriage with horses and horsemen in front of him and a bunch of people, you know, uh, leading him towards a, a certain city or location. There's somebody who goes ahead of the king who's called the herald and the herald simply proclaims that the king is coming. So, the Herald is maybe a couple miles in front of everybody else that way, everybody in the town can stop what they're they're doing in their in the marketplace or in their businesses, and they can come out to the street and prepare for the King to come. It's just easy to say this: John the Baptist, his job is to be Jesus's herald, the one who says the King is coming, the King is coming uh make his paths straight, get everything, get all the hindrances out of his way, so that when he comes; he has a smooth path to reach you. So, what the Bible is trying to tell us is that God is sending this messenger named John the Baptist to prepare people for Jesus' coming.
0: Yeah, and he prepares for Jesus' coming. I think in in multiple ways. Oh yeah. Um, yep. You know, you see, for one, he he introduces baptism <laughs> right. which is which is new, right? And no one knew what that was. Mm-hmm. Why are we being dunk immersed in water? Like mm-hmm. what is what is this? But I think there's John the Baptist gained um I guess a following, mm-hmm. right? He also gained um some some of the political leaders at the time yep. were taking notice of what John the Baptist was doing. Right. Um and, and it saw him as a threat. Right. Well, what that allowed Jesus to do is come in and start his ministry, right? While the focus was on John the Baptist for a little bit, that mm-hmm. hey, we need to get this guy out. Eventually, Jesus gained the reputation that he gained. Yeah, but he he started this and allowed Jesus to continue uh, and, and push through and and really do what he came to do, uh, and he so he really prepared the way in multiple ways, mm-hmm. um, and but at the same time, preaching that he is not the one, right? John the Baptist is not the one, but the one that is about to come, the one that is going to follow after me is the one that I am not worthy of even to untie his his sandals. You know, in verse 4,
1: this can be a confusing verse, especially if you're just reading it for the first time with somebody. John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Is that saying that if I go and get baptized— Remember, this is pre Jesus's ministry. <laughs> is that saying that if I'm baptized for, uh, in a form of repentance, then my sins will be forgiven? I don't think that's what it's saying. The context of John's baptism here is that baptism was used as preparation of the heart for an individual who said, okay, John, you've convinced me. You've convinced me. You've convinced me. I need to get rid of my sin now. Because you're right, there's somebody coming after you. I, I believe what you're saying, John. You're saying that this Messiah character from the Old Testament, you're saying he's close. And if he's close, I want to take care of my sins now so that I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. Also in the original language, this is just something else. When it talks about how he was preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, that word for there can also just mean due to the forgiveness of sins. The forgiveness of sins was about to come in Jesus' ministry. So this baptism was like just a preparation event. Uh Um, You know, what do you do the night before you're married? You have a bachelor party or, you know, you you make preparations. You make last minute. What do you do before you go on a long road trip? You you pack the entire car. You get yourself ready. What do you do before you're uh, getting ready for a marathon? You train for it. So he has a, a preparation ministry. Let's pick it up in five and six. This gets more interesting.
0: <laughs> yeah, it says, and all the country of Judea and all of Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, right. confessing their sins. Right. So now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. <laughs> so we have all the country of Judea and all of Jerusalem. Right. So we have Jews. Right right going right to to John to be baptized right um and if so if baptism today right Jesus has already died mm-hmm. he's already been resurrected and the purpose of baptism is to um is for really to demonstrate the repentance right of sin and so the in reality this, of the heart right right and so in the same way that's what they were doing right they were saying I am demonstrating my repentance of sin through the washing of the water. As a symbol. As a symbol. Right. Of, Nothing special about the water. No. Of preparing the way right. for what is coming. Yep.
1: We're doing it for what has already come. Yeah. We look back on what Jesus did. Correct. They were looking forward.
0: Yeah. So you have these people coming out. Um, now, this was not a necessarily a traditional thing to do, uh, and, and so having this guy who— who's clothed <laughs> with camel's hair yep. and wore a leather bat- belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. He well, let's, w- let's pause on that verse before we
1: give the explanation. Okay. If you're, imagine the person in the chair next to you, you're getting coffee with them. And again, I use coffee as the ideal setting, but I don't know, guys, get tea with the person, take them out to lunch.
0: Which is the quiet setting Brilliant. where you can have a conversation.
1: Right. So when I say coffee, just make it generalized. But Kyle, what do you think a person would be thinking in verse 6? I mean, when you you read it the first time, what is he wearing?
0: I mean, I'd be kind of like, I don't... Did they wear camel's hair back then, right? I don't really know, but it seems odd that that he would be described in this way. Seems not usual, right? right? It seems out of the norm. Right. But this is a good
1: opportunity to help your first-time reader understand that the Bible never gives a verse... That's not supposed to be there. Right. So, Kyle, what do you know? I mean, let's just flip the the table on it on its head. Um Kyle, how did the religious leaders of the day dress?
0: They dressed to the nine. Yeah. They looked the best, <laughs> that's right? It, yeah. They had the best colors. Right. Uh that they were wearing ones that, you know. Poor people couldn't really afford, right? But they had the best clothing. They looked the best. They had to present themselves in a right. certain way, right? Because of their status in society, yes. so they were dressed to the nines. I right. mean, if if it was modern day, right? Maybe some tuxedos, yeah. or a nice yes. three piece suit, right? Right, and uh, shiny shoes, right? Everything, even you know, a Rolex, right? You know, something to make say, "Hey, I'm I'm successful, yeah. and I, I'm I'm happening." And that was the religious
1: elite of the day. Right. The Pharisees, who later on, we know, we'll get into it in this book. That's like the number one crowd Jesus gets after, right? is the religious hypocrites. Mm -hmm. So, take the common understanding of the day, where you have these individuals who are are dressed with this outward performance, or this, this outward beauty of having it all together. And now you've got John the Baptist, the guy whom... God is prophesying about in verses 2 and 3, the guy whom God is choosing to use to announce the Messiah's coming, that guy, he's not wearing a tuxedo, he doesn't have a Rolex, he's wearing what, he's wearing camel's hair, I mean, a leather belt around his waist, he, he eats locusts and wild honey, That, that's a diet for poor people, that's all you're eating is locusts and wild honey, dude's living off the land, what
0: is this? Dude's a hobo. Yes. I mean, I mean, he's just he's kind of a just a traveler, uh, you know, just kind of going place to place doesn't really have a a home to lay to lay his head at night. I mean,
1: so take what you know about the religious elite just in this brief discussion on the outside. But now what does this communicate about John the Baptist himself? I mean, if we're going to compare him to the religious elite, he's doing the real religious work, by the way, mm -hmm. and the religious elite, they are not. But. I mean, think about it. Verse six, what is it saying about John the Baptist?
0: I mean, he cares more about the message yeah. that he's bringing yes. than he does about his appearance right, uh, or anything like that. Yeah. And, and I don't want it. it could, I think this is where it could turn. And the person could say, well, shouldn't he at least care about the way he looks a little bit? So like sure. people want to actually be around him. He doesn't like stink or something. Right. right? I right. mean, you could have that conversation. I would say, yeah, uh, you know, Dakota and I take showers on Sunday morning before we come to church, right? right. We, we wear nice clothes in the sense of it's not torn. Right. It's, you know, it's presentable. Right. So it does, this doesn't mean we have to wear camel's hair in a leather yep. belt. So It's not the intent of the Bible. No. Yep. Uh, but it is who John is is right. the more
1: important piece. That's all it's
0: communicating. But this verse here is saying that John didn't need to be a religious leader like the Pharisees. Right. Right or the or or the priest or anybody, yep. he was called by God. Right, back before either yep. he was born or Jesus came into this world as a human. Right, uh, to to bring this message, and so you didn't have to be part of that group mm-hmm. in order to bring the message of the gospel. Right, you just had to be
1: called. Yes, and which is really cool because if you think about what John has already said of Jesus in verse one. He has said that Jesus Christ, uh, I forgot this earlier, but the words are literally Iesu Christu, Jesus Christ himself, this Messiah, he's man, this son of God, he's divine. He's getting ready to come. And the first thing that Mark wants to tell you is that the guy that came in front of Jesus was nobody special to begin with. He was some humble, backwoods kind of guy who did not look like he was religiously, what that's telling you is that God is using a humble man who went in front of
0: a humble savior, a humble king. And you will see this theme continued.
1: Throughout the whole book. Throughout the whole gospel. Jesus so. is
0: the humble servant. Correct. And, yep. and you'll see the people that he uses and that he talks to. Absolutely. Um, which in a discipleship setting, right? when you're talking to this person who's who's maybe accepted the lord or not but they're they're new to this and they're trying to figure out you know and kind of breaking down maybe some of those cultural walls of what happens in a church and why people go to church and oh that's the pastor's job to tell people about Jesus. Yep. Well what this does is it says no it's not just the pastor's it job.
1: Humanizes it.
0: Right? It's not just certain people called to share the gospel or to share scripture or to yep. share truth. Yep. It's literally everyone's. Yep. Whoever is a believer in Jesus Christ right. is to share the gospel. Right. So no, it's not the pastors. Yep. No, it's not the leaders in the church. It is everybody yep. who is a Christian. And John, who was a nobody, who yep. came from nobody, had a calling and he fulfilled that calling. Yeah. And that calling was to serve the Lord, yep. which we all have that calling to
1: serve the Lord. That's it. So then we get to verses 7 and 8. Let me read uh, 7 and 8. And he, John the Baptist, was preaching and saying, this is a part of his message as he's baptizing people, after me, one is coming who is mightier than I, and I am not fit to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I'm not even worthy to untie the dude's sandals. Verse 8, I baptize you with water water. Yeah, yeah. You think this is cool? You're getting dunked in the in the river. Awesome. <laughs> uh, but he will baptize you. The word is ba- uh, baptizo, or it might be baptizamai. But but he will baptize you. He will immerse you. He will immerse you with the Holy Spirit, which automatically, Kyle, this tells me that there's more
0: than one type of baptism. Yes, definitely. Well, there's the one that there's the prelude, right? Right, which hap which is happening. That's in it. that moment in John the Baptist's ministry. Get ready for the King. Right, get ready. This is the get ready baptism. Yep. That is recognizing repentance for sin. Yep. And there, there's a need. There's for, a need for, for it. forgiveness. Yes. yes. Well, Jesus is going to come and baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Yep. Which means there will be true repentance in the sense that sins will be forgiven, much
1: more than just the symbol of getting dunked under the water. But now your heart will be immersed by the Holy Spirit of God where you're not just getting clean on the outside with water. No, no, no. Your heart will be cleansed by the Holy Spirit. This is actually a good point. You know, if you're sitting down with somebody, Kyle, one of the hardest things to explain is the Trinity because the Trinity is not supposed to be uh, fully comprehensible. I mean, I can apprehend the Trinity, but I can't comprehend the Trinity. The moment I can comprehend the Trinity is the moment that God is not all that great anymore, and, you know, maybe he's not worth worshiping because now I figured him out. But this is a a great time. You've already talked about Jesus being the Son of God, which insinuates that there's also God, God the Father. Now you get to the Holy Spirit, so you've got all three members of the Trinity in the first eight verses. A good way that I always explain this, and I've said this before on the podcast, I've said this before in sermons, you have to remember that God himself is a relationship. If God were not eternally a relationship for all time's sake, then how could he create relational beings if he himself wasn't relational? So I always like to say this, it's really easy. God is one what, but God is three who's. So Kyle, if somebody said, hey, what are you? you'd say, I'm a human being. But if somebody said, hey, who are you? You'd say, I'm Kyle. So your being is different than your person. If somebody said to me, what are you? I'd say, I'm a human being. If they said, who are you? I'd say, I'm, I'm Dakota Smith. When you look at God, you say, what are you? And God says, I'm one being. Who are you? I'm Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It me that there's three persons in the Trinity. God himself is a relationship. Now, you just have to let the Bible say what it says. You don't have to go any farther than that. But it's a good place to start because Father, Son, and Holy Spirit come up throughout the rest of the book. Yeah. Especially as we get into verses 9 through 11 with the baptism. So,
0: Yeah, and I, I think that's just a good um, kind of tip Yeah, is to let things be what they say they are mm-hmm. in the Bible for a little bit. I mean, when you're discipling, no one's asking you to have all the answers. Right. That's totally true. And so... Because I think that's one of the fears of, of sharing the gospel mm-hmm. and discipling somebody. Right. Well, I'm not sure I know what to say. Right. Well, I'm not sure I know enough. Right. I'm not sure I can explain it the way my pastor can explain it. Right. He, he says it so well from the pulpit. Right. <laughs> There's this idea that you have to say it in a way that's perfect or, uh, you know, well-prepared, like you took notes or whatever that may be. And, and it's just not the case. Right. Open the Bible. Yeah. And start reading it with somebody. God can use you even if you don't know what to say. Yeah. I mean, I can tell you in Silicon Dakota, when you're preparing a sermon, do you want to do well? And you really want to know every little bit of that passage that you're teaching on? Yes. But the reality is the Holy Spirit is going to speak mm-hmm. through you. Yeah. I don't know how many times I prepared a sermon and there's a chunk of that sermon that I did not prepare yeah. that I said. Yeah. Well, the Holy Spirit said it through me. Yep, And so the Holy Spirit's going to use you. Yeah. If you truly believe in who God is and those and the three persons of God, yeah, the Holy Spirit is going to guide you, yeah, and that's the Holy Spirit's purpose, right? And so, open the Bible and read it. You don't have to have all the answers, right? You can have coffee again with them another time, right? And continue the conversation well, beyond it. And intrigue, and mystery,
1: and questions are a way for the person that you're discipling or working on. It's a sign that they want to keep asking questions. It's a sign that they're interested. It's a sign that they want... At least this is intriguing enough to read to where, okay, I at least need to figure out what it says so that I can make up my mind, right? Um, verses 9 through 11, you want to jump in? We're actually going to save that for next week. Are we really? So we're ending here at verse
0: 8. We're Ooh. going to end at verse 8. Um, you know, we want to keep these episodes a little bit shorter. Uh, give you some time to really think about after this, um, how you can use what we just gave you. Uh, one more tip before we end. When you get to a place um, of a lot of questions yeah. in, in discipleship, maybe have some resources ready. Yeah, uh, A resource that we have that Dakota always uses is called One-to-One Bible Reading by David Helm. Yep. Uh, it's just a resource that will help you uh, when it comes to discipleship. Uh, so if you know you're going through a passage as well, maybe you have some other uh, a sermon ready that talks about the Holy Spirit or different things, but, I would just have a couple things ready to pass off to them so they don't go surfing the internet right. and Dangerous looking place. for crazy stuff, but you give them some stuff to really listen to.
1: Yeah. You know, I always recommend the book One to One Bible Reading by David Helm. In fact, we give it out to our church members all the time right now because it's a short, really thin book by a trusted scholar. And he's just saying, look, we as Christians need to sit down and do Bible studies with people again and let the Bible do the work. That's kind of actually influencing season two here. That's why we're working through the book of Mark. In David Helm's book, he actually has like a chapter-by-chapter breakdown of questions you could ask and things of that nature. Another tip that I would give just before we close this episode is make absolutely sure that you have a journal and you write down questions that they may have asked uh, so that you can dwell on them and you can even take notes about yourself. Ah, I messed up in this area. I didn't know what to say. I, I need to make it uh, my intention to get back to them this next week on it. And then something else I would suggest is never, ever, ever leave a conversation without a follow-up of when you're going to meet next. Don't just say, we'll meet again in a couple of weeks, because you might not. Say, okay, well, let's get out our calendars. Uh, let's do, uh, you know, this chapter next week. We'll meet right here, right now. You've got to be able to prove it on your calendar, on your phone, on your schedule, that they're going to meet with you again. And the more that you can do that follow-up, uh, the better chances are they're going to finish the book with
0: you. I agree. You got to make sure you're prepared. Uh, so hopefully, as you're learning... Uh, you can take these tips, start writing them down, um, start praying over uh, the next opportunity that you have and continue really listening to our podcast. Next time we're going to continue our journey through the book of Mark and teaching you how to have conversations, uh, really to be a disciple and make a disciple. So, uh, thank you guys for joining us. Can't wait to, uh, bring some more of the word next week. Uh, God bless. And we're going to continue to pray for you guys. Have a good week.